This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where right now, buy one, get one free hanging baskets. And that's this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, the hanging baskets at Zupan's, Chris, are the ones that I always get. Uh, they're locally grown at Hillcrest Nursery in Woodburn. Uh, you can get mis- uh, you can get mixed baskets uh, for whether you are, you know, if you're houses in the shade or more in the sun. Uh, obviously, a perfect addition to your porch or patio this summer. I would I would add to that when you say this weekend, because anybody can be listening at any point. Oh, That's sure. 12th, 13th, and 14th, 2020. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Yes. So if you miss that, hang on and wait till next year. But still, they have an incredible selection of um, floral designs and plants mm-hmm. at Zoom. And so go down there anytime. And also... I was going to say their ready-to-heat meals are fantastic because they are all over the lot. They have so many different um, cuisines to enjoy from Mediterranean, a lasagna, Indian dinner. They have poke bowls. They have roasted salmon, tamales, chili rellenos, uh, even with a vegan option, meatloaf, roasted chicken. And I will say that my girlfriend and I enjoyed their um, lobster and clam bake. Uh, to go a couple of weeks ago that was just incredible. We got two meals out of that, two nights. Nice. And, um, man, Zupan's has it going on, and it's easy. You just go down and get it, and you can order it. You can order um, by noon for a same-day curbside pickup between 3 and 7. They make it super, super easy for those ready-to-go meals. I've been, I've been eyeing that Indian dinner, so I'm, I'm, I might be hopping on that bandwagon pretty soon. It's time to mouth it. Use another sense. Oh, yeah. Also, they have some incredible June wine specials from Italy. Um, they are featuring one of Italy's most historic wineries, Vietti Wine Cellar, and that's located in Piedmont. So um, they are beautifully illustrated, making them easily recognizable. Wine bottles as works of art, and each grape variety is especially designed with original works inspired by the wine. Very nice. So you can pick those up at your three Zupans markets located on McAdam, West Burnside, Lake Oswego. And of course, you can get all the details you could ever hope for. Where, Chris? Zupans.com. All right, time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelis from Portland Food Adventures. And there's Court Johnson over there recording from home as well, the two of us. I'm actually looking out my window watching a deer run down the street at the moment. I'm uh, sitting in my dining room. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm still wearing the clothes I slept in, my pajamas. And uh, uh, it's kind of overcast. So we've now set the scene. Oh, well, I'm going to set it out here in Manzanita. It's nice and sunny. Oh. And uh, I'm looking forward to going in and picking up um, some Stevens Italiano eggplant parmesan tonight. To oh, nice. Enjoy. That's our friend Don Salamone from Burger Stevens, who mm-hmm. has, I guess, let's use the word pivoted yep. again so to do an Italian takeout for dinner. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. We're, what are we, almost three months beyond yeah. the time when we recorded the podcast episode 
originally um, before COVID-19 hit. Mm-hmm. So uh, three months, we've watched a lot happen. And we're maybe the governor hasn't announced yet whether we're moving into the phase where restaurants can open and many of them do not want to open. Right. The real catch 22 because employees don't feel safe going in. They're making decent money uh, on unemployment. And now the governor wants to end that and have them go in where there aren't going to be many customers and they can't make much money there. So, wow. What a yeah. clusterfuck we have. Mm-hmm. So, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, that's, we'll find out how that plays out uh, after this, a couple of days after this episode starts streaming. But this episode um, is interesting because I started, we have two-part interview here. Yeah. The first part is with Matt Wickstrom, who at the time was uh, cooking at La Moule, preparing to move to Iceland to open up his restaurant and uh, Aquavit bar in Iceland. And um, since then, that's, those plans have been very tough to figure out how to not only travel to Iceland, but move. So they've had to go through a lot of hoops to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the folks, Matt and Aurora Wickstrom, who have been running the Fimble PDX pop-ups for the last three years in Portland, and they're very popular. They're generally sold out, and now they're taking their game to Iceland, where they first got inspired and brought it back to Portland. And uh, they'll be opening up restaurants there. And in the meantime, since we uh, did this original interview, which court, I believe, was late February. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, like February 27th or Mm -hmm. something. We've uh, entered into a discussion and we put a, together a trip to, for Portlanders to go visit the best of Iceland, Reykjavik, and, and parts in between there. And Akureyri, I'm not really great at pronouncing it yet. I will get better. Where they're going to be at the Lamb Inn um, with the restaurant. And, of course, they're going to have to have a softer opening than they thought. So um, we put together a trip for next year. I believe it's June 20th to June 27th. And people, anybody's welcome to check it out at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the trips tab, which I have now moved further left because dinners aren't happening. Right. Yet. Um, They will be soon, I hope. Um, But at any rate, anyone's welcome to check that out. And I may as well indicate that we've moved our other trips that we had planned for 2020, two of them to Spain, one of them to Italy, to exactly, well, almost exactly a year from when they were originally planned. So we have four trips, if anybody's got cabin fever, and I know everybody does, Yep. To, um, and something to look forward to for 2021, four trips with Portland Food Adventures, starting with uh, Spain in April with the folks uh, from Urdaneta, Javier and JL um, Canteras um, in April, and then again in now October, and uh, also to Iceland in June, and then also to uh, Western Sicily with Austria Ensign in late September now. So nice. uh, everybody can 
figure that out by going to the website. It's probably a lot more succinct than my explaining it. But um, but this interview is interesting because um, we're not just we don't just have a chef who visits there now. Who was so inspired, started doing the food from Iceland and or or designing it and preparing it in a Portland style, and now he's going to go over and do it and uh, be able to source what he calls some of the most incredible ingredients on the planet there. So we have that discussion with him for the first, I'm going to guess, 45 minutes or so. And then we're going to pick up afterwards with an update that we recorded a couple of days ago. That would have been June 8th, 2020, uh, where we discuss a little bit um, about what, what it's been like uh, planning to move to Iceland in the middle of a pandemic. And by the way, Iceland has handled this according to everything that I read or not everything that I've read. I guess that's a safe thing to say. Sure. That they've handled it um, almost better than everybody than New Zealand. I was about to say better than anyone, but I just remember New Zealand is pretty much over this. Yep. But, but the testing in Iceland has been um, beyond anyone, any that we wish to do, that we can hope to do here. So they're feeling pretty safe in going over there and getting situated. So this, so this again is in two parts, the original interview before we even knew there was a pandemic, but where Matt knew he was moving and planning his restaurant, Fimble, and also Nana in, uh, in Iceland, and then the second part where his wife, Aurora, joins us to discuss the process of moving, and then we talk about the trip per se. So if anybody's interested in that trip, just keep listening to the end, and we'll hear some highlights before we go. And I will help people out a little bit, uh, Chris. I will put in the show notes the point where the second part of the interview starts up if people want to just jump to that. But I would recommend they listen to the first part because it's... Yeah, I was going to say, why, why jump to that? But it's fine. If you sure. only have some time, start there and then come back and hear the other sure. one. That would, there you go. That would be my suggestion. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, do you feel like we're coming out of this court? I, I, yes and no. Like, I, I feel like we need to come out of it. Um, uh, and I feel, I, I don't know. I don't know where we are. It's just the last, last three months have just been a fog. <laughs> yeah, I still think, you know, now we're looking at a potential second wave, especially with all the protesting that's right. been going on. So there are a lot of people that have been around a lot of people and they shouldn't have been. I'm not saying they shouldn't have been protesting. I'm saying that as far as uh, the virus is concerned, that right. wasn't the best case scenario. Correct. So I think we're looking at a second wave. I'm not an expert on these things at all, but um I don't, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I think this just carried it out a few more months. And I wish the restaurants could have a mandate that they couldn't open for a little while. But I'm sure some restaurant owners disagree with me on that, too. Yeah, I know. Uh, out here, I'm out on the west side in Washington County, and we entered phase one a couple of weeks ago. And, and I've, I'm hearing from friends that are going to the restaurants that are enjoying it and going to their local tap house that they're they're enjoying being being back into it so it they, I, I think you're going to find depending on who you talk to kind of a different approach right well we i'm out in the in Tillamook county where we i can't believe it and i think i haven't looked it up in the last couple of days but held steady at six cases mm. for the duration so uh and we've opened up until manzanita opened up to 
um, tourists uh, last week. So it hasn't been that crowded. I can't say that people have been flocking out here. And probably for good reason. They're better off staying home for a little while longer or just right. easing into this. But, um, but of course, we heard what happened out in Newport, right, at the um, at uh, Pacific Seafoods where they had a breakout of over 100 cases uh, in their facilities out there. So that changed things in Lincoln County a little bit. So um, at any rate, we're, we're glad to be getting back to some – uh, so the, the state of, let's call it, something close to normalcy where we're beginning our interviews that we recorded before this all happened and we're ready to go. So uh, on a programming note, today you'll hear Matt and Aurora Wickstrom from Thimble, and then next week we're going to pick up where we left off with our, um, we were doing a International Women's Month series where we did a couple of episodes with uh, Portland Trailblazer um, private chefs. Mm -hmm. um, and so we'll pick up with uh, Chef Lex, Alexia Grant, next week, um, and then who happens to be Carmelo Anthony's private chef. And then we will, re we will repeat the last episode that ran before the pandemic hit with Kiara Hardy and Crystal Chanel. Um, and she is the private chef, or Kiara is the private chef to Hassan Whiteside. And so everybody was affected. The NBA stopped playing. Yeah. They're doing different things. And in the meanwhile, uh, Black Lives Matter has come to the forefront. And we happen to have interviewed uh, two uh, wonderful black women right before it started. So we'll take the opportunity to pick up again with that next week is that enough court i'm I think, tired of nope, I, I think that's enough I, I i think we laid it all out the table is set right so here's matt wickstrom from thimble followed up by matt and aurora right at the fork is brought to you by zupan's markets inspiring you with the best in food and wine Local, family-owned Zupan's Markets provides a unique grocery shopping experience for Portland food lovers. Excellent products sourced locally and from around the globe with delicious chef-prepared meals for your convenience on West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Visit Zupan's.com and sign up for your exclusive deals and promotional offers. Do you hear yourself? I do hear myself. Do yep. you like it hearing yourself? It's scary. I don't like it at all, no. Wait till you listen to the podcast, actually. Have you been on many of these things? No. First one. Really? First one. You've been doing a lot of cool things for a long time. Yeah. I, I feel like we've kind of flown under the radar because we've been infrequent and kind of, you know, we have a dedicated but small following. Right. But um, I would think you would have done... Everybody's got a podcast now. Well, not necessarily in this... They try in the yeah. food world. Yeah. But there's only room for one. That's, That's true. the way we Here think. we are. Um, thank you. Um, you ever watch Larry Sanders' show mm -hmm. years ago when they go to the break and then they say nothing mm -hmm. to each other? I love that. The, the silence, the uncomfortable silence. So <laughs> now we're doing it. And I, anything that has to do with the Larry Sanders' show that we can approximate, I'm, I'm yeah. in heaven right. doing that. Yeah, they used to do that on uh, Craig Ferguson. He used to have a late night show that they had an awkward pause mm -hmm. for the commercial. And the, would they show it? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, we try not to have awkward pauses here. Try to make it as comfortable as possible, <laughs> especially 
for someone like you who hasn't done this. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel kind of comfortable or are you okay? I feel as comfortable as I ever do doing anything. So Right. Okay, yeah. well, good. Yeah. What's the most uncomfortable thing you can think of doing right now? God. What makes you... Uh, what, is this what? supposed to make me comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> no. But is there anything that comes to mind that makes you really uncomfortable to do? I don't know if you asked me that question, if I could come up with it off the top of my head. I don't think either. I can either. Maybe doing naked yoga in California? Good answer. But um, yeah, watching naked yoga terrible. in California wouldn't be necessary. There's a big difference between doing it and watching it. It depends on who's, who's naked do, and right. who's doing the yoga. It depends who's doing it, right. So, Which is the case with everything. So um, you are at Lamoul. At Lamoul. And Court and I had a lot of experiences going to Lamoul. Back in the days when Chu was supporting, was sponsoring this podcast. Mm -hmm. So we got to go a lot. Um, that was nice. Haven't been there in a while. What are you doing that's new and different at La Moule that wasn't there before? Or are you just doing a good thing and making sure the restaurant maintains its standards before you move on to your next project, which we'll talk about? Yeah, I feel like I reached a, a happy medium of kind of both of what you described. It's well, I love Aaron, obviously, and um, I was at Hold Fast. So moving over there. That's Aaron Burnett. By Aaron anybody. Burnett, yep. The chef over there, and uh, he kind of uh, got in my ear, and uh, I always had a good relationship and was able to laugh with Aaron, which means a lot. And uh, moving over there, it was kind of a, a learning experience for me to take on more of a overall management role uh, from where I was, and then also an opportunity to kind of put my style of food out there, which uh, Aaron was excited to work with, and then on the flip side, learning from him, just more classical um, executions, obviously French executions and, and sauce work and that sort of thing. I was really excited about to work with him directly um, to balance my skill set out a little bit because my study has been very focused, but very um, on kind of like one area um, that I kind of consider my expertise, I would say. So it was good to get some balance and... Uh, just learn from him a little bit because of his overall experience. And I think, generally speaking, he has a pretty good record. Uh, rec uh, God, this is this cold. <laughs> Court, can you make note of that, or can I? What is it? 405. 405. Um, reputation. Reputation around for mentoring. And he does a great job with that. Yeah. So I would imagine that's good. But you have, how many years experience cooking do you have? Uh, it's been six now. Okay. Yeah. That's not really much. It's not much, no. But uh, I feel like since the beginning, my I've had a goal, and uh, I've stuck on that path. And so because of that, the experience that I've I've gained has kind of led directly to, to our next step. So It's always, and by, well, you know, I wasn't criticizing when I said that's not much. It's always impressive to me how much chefs and people in the food world accomplish in a short period of time. Because I always, when you say six years, I do the math, and I go back to 2014, I think, what was going on then? Yeah. That doesn't seem like a long time ago. But you're working it day in and day out, mm -hmm. um, and so you can learn a lot in a short period of time. Um, and you said you have a certain expertise in your style. What? How would you describe that? Um, oddly enough, I feel like for... Since the beginning of my career, my focus has been Nordic survival food, basically, and, and 
and telling the story of of why it exists and those people and and basically how they use that food to survive um so there's been a romanticism i guess you could say with how people figured out how to use the minimal ingredients in the most beautiful way to uh to, to maintain their lives and and celebrate their culture basically and i would imagine in that area of the world uh and i could be wrong you know the ingredients were kind of tough to source so when you're talking about survival you're talking about survival on not not a lot of um things that you can source uh produce and you know yeah it's got to be a little difficult yeah and that's that's one thing you know before my wife and i moved to iceland uh when i worked at dill there for for a few months we uh we kind of had a conception of you know there was limited produce and limited ingredients that they could ship and and that sort of thing but then you you get over there and imagine yourself a hundred years ago in that in that area and realize that nothing grows there um they're they're left with all the animals that they brought over on on wooden boats and and uh and figured out how to farm with so that even beyond a hundred years i mean yeah, life goes way before yeah, that. Back History to, goes back to the nine hundreds, right? Yeah, and the the farm that we're actually going to open up our place on has a has a turf wall from the nine hundreds in the basement that they that they've just kept and maintained there. So it's the history there is is alive, and that's part of what we fell in love with is the the literature, the food history, and just the how how much it is still alive and how much people treasure it. Um, yet there's kind of a lack of documenting it and, and doing it in a new way and kind of like, highlighting those traditions. Um, that was a little bit of a spoiler because we're going to talk about what you're doing <laughs> over there, um, which is to open a farm over there and a restaurant, uh, lots of different experiences in Iceland. So mm-hmm. people won't find you at Lamul forever. No. And we'll talk about exactly when that does. But how did you? where did you grow up? How did you develop an interest in that culture and what brought you over there? Yeah, I mean, reaching back to where I grew up, I grew up in a little town called Libby, Montana. So a tiny little town out in the country. Um, a little uh, mountain town that had a lot of Minnesota transplants that were uh, Scandinavian transplants. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, Nordic Fest and kind of Scandinavian themed food and events growing up. How big is Libby? It has 10,000 people in the city limits and right. kind of, you know, a good amount outside, but... I, you know, I guess it's a function of being in Portland, but we've had quite a few guests from Montana. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Garrett Peck at Imperial yeah, yeah. and, um, and, um, uh, uh, they're not coming to mind right now, but we have, we've had quite a few. It will in a second. So, um, so what, and so that... At what point did you decide you wanted to get over there and explore further? Since I was a little kid, I've been kind of obsessed with like Nordic history and 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 the culture and the landscape. Um, so basically, um, so you're into Vikings and all that. Yeah, stuff? All, all that, all that, and Tolkien and Middle Earth and that sort of stuff. Embarrassingly, um, no, it's cool. I mean. <laughs> What else are you going to do in Libby, Montana, that's, by the way? That's part of the, part of the problem, I think. <laughs> right. But yeah, so basically, you know, beyond spending my early 20s 
getting drunk at the VFW in Libby, Montana. Um, obviously decided that that wasn't something I could sustain for my entire life and ended up moving to Portland and going to culinary school um, here at OCI. I got a job uh, while I was in school at a restaurant called Smallwares in Portland. Right here. Um, where I met some influential people, the most influential being my wife. And uh, she was a server there, Aurora. And uh, so, yeah, it was good working with Joe. I feeling I met her somewhere along the way. Yeah. We did two, two or three PFA dinners there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Were you there? I probably was. I was just kind yeah, of. I was hoping you'd know. I was but... down in the down in the kitchen just getting yelled at probably. But... No, Johanna, did Johanna Ware <laughs> yell? Was uh, she a yeller? Uh, sarcastically most of the yeah, time. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Good to hear. It was, a, it was a good kitchen to get in as my first kitchen because there was, you know, the proper amount of hazing, I feel like. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the proper amount of hazing? I think, Do you, you know, When you're looking for someone for your new restaurant, is that going to be one of the things? <laughs> These are our benefits and you get a proper amount of hazing. Uh, not in Iceland because they could bury me behind a hill that no one could ever find. So, right, okay. Yeah, I think feel like I wouldn't feel safe doing that. But. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was good. It was it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, beer pong and partying and how I fell in love with my wife. So that was a good place to start. And then uh, from there, had a quick stop at Broder Nord because my kind of pathway was still leading towards. I really wanted to open up a, a Nordic dinner spot in Portland, which uh, didn't exist. Um, and Broder Nord gave it a try for a minute, and so. I wanted to go over there and just see how it went, um, and that didn't pop off. And uh, what do you think the problem was? Um, I think that uh, it was a it was right kind of after they opened at Broder Nord in that in that space, so there wasn't necessarily a dinner crowd that would. It was kind of almost tried like a destination. The, they tried it in Clinton too, dinner for a little while. Yeah, I, I, don't, I wasn't kind of present for that one, but yeah, the the Nord spot was just kind of like getting on its feet with with breakfast and kind of for people to drive over there and now it's doing pretty well so it's an iconic space yeah it's a it beautiful has space, the story yeah. the story of that space you know with ripe and where everything and gotham city tavern yeah i love the space and um but yeah so that was a, a short stop there before i uh ended up uh jumping to a restaurant called kachka which i knew nothing I've about never heard of that never heard of it, yeah I knew, not, knew nothing about it, um, but again, like following just kind of where my heart felt like it was closest to to my destination. Uh, it was, you know, Northern European type cuisine, and so I applied there. Began as a line cook, I think, a month or so after they opened, maybe less. Um, and obviously met a lot of influential people there in my uh, career and life. But uh, I spent three years there and rose to sous chef there. So those were kind of uh, a lot of my beginnings and uh, working with a lot of great people there and a lot of people that have been involved with Fimble as well. Well, what strikes me is that everywhere you, it seems, I'm sure there might have been others, but the places you mentioned so far are not your typical Northwest farm to table fair right. they each one has a really specific spin and um, a real objective and some really cool people too by the way every one of those features some really well-known chefs or 
yeah restaurant owners yeah for sure um, so um so you got some good experience because that can't so i can't imagine you could walk into kachka and just know what you're doing no no and that was like you know part of what was great with working with bonnie and and olga um there is just it was soaking up not only the food but the culture and the family aspect behind everything which spoke to me and uh you know, for what I wanted to do and what I was passionate about and, and have always been passionate about, which is, you know, not the charcuterie that you're serving in a Michelin star restaurant, but like, what are people, what are people doing to preserve things in the home so that they can have something to eat at the Christmas feast? Mm-hmm. You know, what are they harvesting in the summertime to, uh, to then open up or unpack and, you know, serve to people as a special thing in the, in the wintertime sort of, sort of feeling in Kachka you know, spoke to me in, in, in that, uh, in that realm for sure. So while I was there, they were gracious enough to give me, you know, a little over three months away. And, uh, after Aurora and I got married, we went to Iceland and, uh, that's where I worked at, worked at Dill in 2016. Um, so that was, kind of what I consider my main big step building block was is working at a restaurant of that caliber. And, and also it just um, spoke to me for, for the food that, it, that I love, which is focused on, you know, minimal ingredients, but the best ingredients, you know, that dish might have three ingredients on it, but they're the best in the world. And, and uh, they've been cared for, you know, as much as something on a, you know, fancy, very extravagant French menu. Um, but yeah, I, I found that restaurant through, through the book that they published and that was very purveyor focused and farmer focused. Um, and then went over there and, and worked there a year later after reading the book. So it was, uh, it was a big step, especially being, I think we were married for a month and then we took that big trip together and lived in an apartment in the, in Reykjavik in the capital city there. So it was kind of a, was Aurora working there too? Did she? She came over there and uh, she wasn't. She wasn't working. She kind of was really interested in the literary element of, of Iceland, which is which is huge. I think it's something like one in ten people over there are published authors. So there's hmm. just like such a extensive historical um, written down documentation of the entire country. So they basically got to the island when they settled it and immediately started writing down their history. Hmm. Um, so she wanted to go over there for that reason and uh, in particular and kind of like see the arts and culture and uh, it was a good way to to kick things off and from there we kind of toured around the island and, and fell in love with the north side of the country where it was uh, you know beautiful uh, like beyond imagination just kind of like Lord of the Rings type mountains on both sides and a big fjord and and we ended up at a hotel called uh, Lamb Inn up north and um, fell in love with that particular spot. We were on a hunt for finding a farmer who smoked trout in the area because they um, smoke it in a unique way using peat, but that peat is from the sheep dung that they harvest from the barns uh, in the springtime, um, basically because of their lack of wood um, that that never never ended up growing back on the island so is that something you can put on a menu ship sheep dung cured trout <laughs> or smoked trout 
It will be on our menu. But at I the mean, would you describe there. it that way? Uh, we did it. We did it, Fimble. Okay. Yeah, and that helped sell. It did. You know, I mean, we we weren't ashamed of it when we came back, and it wasn't. It was the thing that we were proud of. You know, and and the way that we did it, we were proud of. And the people that came to our dinners, our regulars, you know, would there were oftentimes like audible cheers. You know, when we would talk about a dish that included the the dung smoke trout. And how big were your dinners that you had Fimble? We usually did 32 people a night, and we would do basically two turns of 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's really campfire-focused, really storytelling-focused. And the food would be obviously very traditional and have a story behind each dish, but then there was also the element of Aurora making the house-infused uh, aquavits um, that she would do. Because over in Iceland, basically the... The tradition of moonshine over there is each house has, you know, wild herbs or uh, growing everywhere around their house that might be unique, whether it's caraway or angelica or lovage. And that house snops or spirit that you would have at dinner when you go over to that person's house, you know, is, is unique in its flavor because of where they live. So we really tried to create our own kind of aquavit culture that way that we could pair around the food as well and and with wild infusions and forged ingredients and that sort of thing that's uh that's awesome i'm sorry i missed it that i haven't been (laughs) i really feel bad about that and i do i'm not just saying that what are the names of the places that you're planning on opening up in um in iceland so it's uh we've got kind of a three-headed monster that we're going to uh, be running so we have a inn that's called lamb inn and that's a that's an active hotel currently um and that's where you stayed. That's where we stayed. Right. That's where we stayed and, and met and met the owners. Um, so it's an active sheep farm. It's a hotel. And then in that space, we are opening a kind of a destination menu, uh, tasting restaurant, tasting menu restaurant um, called Nana. How it's, awesome is this? So you just go, you went to visit it, um, you know, not only necessarily doing research but just to enjoy yourself yeah you fall in love with this hotel and now it's part of your world yeah for sure and it's yeah it was a weird happening i remember aurora when we were there said she had a feeling that we would be back to that to that area and and to that hotel and with those people and um i guess losing my kind of train of thought I, i brought up the the dunk smoke trout because we had asked the owner at the time where we could find a farmer who was smoking trout traditionally um, and we got some directions from him, printed out on a weird Google map page. And he sent us to the wrong spot. He sent us to a trout farm through some, through some language barriers. And so we contacted him and, and we're like, Hey, like we never made it to the farm. We still want to like, no worries, but we ended up at a trout farm or, uh, we never made it to the, to the farmer who was smoking, but we made it to a, a trout farm. And, uh, he offered us a free stay, basically, and to come up there again before we went back home to Portland and said he would, you know, help us out. And that that's what kind of kicked off our friendship and relationship with those guys. Um, and it, was it at that point we the idea started to gel for Nona? We, yeah, we had talked to them just about what our passion was, which was, you know, really had developed quickly and, and at the time became like, we want to like be historians of, of this culture, um, specifically the food and, and the drinking and, and, you know, how those, how the literary elements, you know, combined with all of that. Um, and 
and what our vision was. And then we kind of visited them throughout the last uh, two or three years and, you know, kept talking and talking about those thoughts. We ended up doing a, a Fimble pop-up at the restaurant um, a year ago. And at that point, they were like, you know, just really sold on, you know, something special we could create up there as a destination. Um, and so Nana, the Tasty Menu restaurant, um, has a whole other history to it that um, kind of our sponsor and inspiration is a uh, author from Iceland. Uh, and she's one of the most prolific authors there. And she's the culinary historian of Iceland. Um, Do you need her permission to use that name? <laughs> we got her permission. Okay, good. yeah. I'm just curious. You don't never know about those things. Yeah, she's been a she's been a silent mentor of mine for the last few years, and um, I randomly contacted her through Facebook of all places uh, when we were on a visit there, a study trip with some Fimble employees. Um, who. I just messaged her and said, Hey, like, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. Like, is there any way that we could meet up and talk to you? Like, I, I just want to like learn some things. And that was our, our first, first interaction. She invited us over to her house and, uh, fed us, um, smoked horse tongue and, and all sorts of, uh, traditional Icelandic food. So correct me if I'm wrong, but were you both in that moment thinking this is the pinnacle of our lives right now that there were, were, were with her in her place eating her food trying on our way to realizing our dream you know you started working on Fimble before that but yeah I would think that would that would have been a really cosmic moment for you it was strange it was strange and there was you know I people in Iceland they're very nice and and super hospitable hospitable but they're also, it's an isolated place and, you know, you kind of have to open up to them before they open up to you in a way. And But if you if you kind of tell them who you are and if they trust where you're coming from, they, in my experience, are the, you know, the most welcoming people. Um, so it was, it felt good to be in, in her, in her home and kind of hear her talk about, you know, things that I could dream about being inspired by for a menu. And mm -hmm. so that was our kind of first talk and. We connected with her again once things started to take more of a concrete form that we would be over there opening a restaurant and um, just kind of asked for her blessing for the entire project and kind of side by side with Nana is the historical documentation because the long-term goal is to write a, a book with Nana and to also have a almost like a live museum where all these traditional smoking techniques and, and preservation and fermentation are going to be active for guests to stay at the hotel, go to dinner and, and see them all happening. And she obviously is passionate about that. She speaks at Oxford every three years about Icelandic food preservation. And um, so it was natural for her to be excited about it. And, and um, it was just great to recognize her because she's a legend in Iceland and, and in a few other countries because of her knowledge and documentation. But it was, it's going to be great to also give her the recognition of, of, you know, obviously naming the restaurant after her, but working with her as well as like my active mentor over there, because I'm not a local over there, but it's a open, open hearted, 
project of being like, we are coming over here. Like we have my wife and I have these skill sets we can execute, but like we're coming over here to learn and to, and to preserve these things, of, you know, the, the historical food there. To build on what you're doing. Does it ever dawn on you? Cause based on what you said today, you know, here's a kid getting drunk at the VFW in Montana. Mm-hmm. If you went back and talked to that person, would you have been able to convince yourself that this is what you'd be doing years later, decades later? Uh, funny enough, and maybe embarrassingly, I, I, f- I feel like it would have been easy to, to buy that concept. Oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> I like that because yeah. often it's like, oh, where did this come from? Yeah. So it's cool that you had it in your yeah. in your soul to be able to do that. Yeah, there's not a lot of random happenings if I were to look back on my life, not a lot of random happenings in, in the, in my pathway. And in, and since my wife and I got married in, in our pathway, that's a little random though, that you met, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it depends on your belief structure, I guess, but yeah, I feel like it was, you could have gotten a job at Kachka first before small wares. That, that's, that's true. That's true. But my, yeah. my life took a huge turn based on, the three o'clock or the four o'clock Spanish class in college. Oh yeah, that was that was a big <laughs> one. So I often think about that. You can say it's not random, but in a way, there's in a way, yeah, for sure. And yeah, there's there's obviously a lot of a lot of luck involved um, with that aspect. Well, and also some people, you might think, well, that was the energy that was supposed to happen. It was de- it was destined to happen. Yeah, that's a whole matter of thinking. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how it feels to me. Like Aurora's a very she's much smarter than I am and much more in touch kind of with her spiritual self, I feel like. Uh, and so I, f- I feel like there was a, a connection there that just was going to work. So good. You got to be careful when, if she's smarter than you are. So she's yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's hard <laughs> to keep walking on that minefield. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if it's a minefield or not, but that's, so how long have you been together now? Uh, we have been together since he, 2016. So it's been four four years married and about uh, five and a half years together. So. Fantastic. Yeah. And so, um, do you, when are you going to be moving to Iceland? When's the move, and when do you finish at Lamul? April sixth, we fly out to Iceland, and uh, oh, so that's soon. That's soon. This came as a surprise to me too because we had talked about i think it was the turn of the year yeah coming on the podcast and then we finally talked last week yeah and you led with well just let me tell you yeah. it's not necessarily we don't have long at lamul yeah yeah so um yeah it was a it was a great situation like i said kind of a mutual connection with uh Aaron and i and i was honest with him from the beginning of like hey like i have this opportunity in front of me it's a once in a lifetime thing. It looks like it, you know, could, could happen. So I don't think it's a good idea for me to like jump on board right now. Cause I could leave in, you know, in, in the spring. And, and basically his response was, you know, there's no reason not to, not to come in we'll have fun for a few months and you know what you can learn some things and, and get on your way. Um, and it, it ended up working out and yeah, so we'll fly over there at, at the beginning of April and then in May, we open up the other half of the concept, which will be um, Fimble. And and that's spelled, just so people know. Yeah, F-I-M-B-U-L. Correct. Okay. And are you going to, so you've been Fimble PDX, I would imagine. Yep. You're going to have to 
own that and go to something else. Yeah, yeah. What so. is the what are the what's the the three letter? They've got two, so it's just Fimble IS. IS. IS, yeah. So there's there's not enough of a population there to have three letters, I don't think so. So I imagine you're developing that now, but you can still find a lot at Fimble where you did your pop ups. For sure. Yep. PDX, I mean. Yeah, Aurora's been working hard on our on our logos. She does all that ourselves. And uh, so, yeah, we're getting all that kind of social media up and running. And so we can connect with people and stay connected with everybody in Portland. But yeah, so April will open up Fimble, which is going to be an Aquavit, uh, kind of a house Aquavit cafe. So we'll have Aurora's House Infusions and then more casual Icelandic snacks, Nordic snacks from from my side. Um, and that'll be open on a daily basis. In, in April already? This is March. In in May. In May, but still. Yeah. So you're going to go up there in April, and in a month you're going to have that rocking. We're going to open the cafe first, and then um, the end of June will be our grand opening for Nana, the destination restaurant. I marvel at how quickly these things come together. That's pretty awesome. And again, I'll mention it again, for you to get there in six years, so there are a lot of people that struggle in this industry just job after job, but for you too, to have a vision and realize it, and it's not easy to real, it's not an easy thing to realize. You have to get over there, you know, and have relationships with folks like Aaron to keep you, sustain you until you get there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's pretty incredible to me. I don't know if you see it, but I, as a, someone who started everything that I started in the food business from the events business to this podcast, it was all because Everybody works so hard, and I just see so many people spinning their wheels. You guys got traction and are moving towards something pretty awesome. Yeah, and I feel like, yeah, it's 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 fun to it's it's hard to step out and kind of see that sometimes when you're so deep in it. But that's my job yeah. to make sure you see that. <laughs> but yeah, like like you and I were talking about earlier, um, I feel like you know because of its true kind of organic roots that things, things have really just kind of fallen into place. And um, because we've stayed on that kind of true pathway. And when we came back, it was such a genuine, you know, um, feeling of a need to express what we saw and what we experienced over there when we came back. And, you know, we've done Fimble, both of us, you know, while having uh, a little, a little girl and also, you know, working full time, we've, we've done Fimble, you know, side by side. So when we came back, we started that pop-up Well, I was still a sous chef at Kochka and then we continued it. Um, when I became the sous at Holdfast and on into, and on into Lemoule. So it's, it's been a struggle to, to do both and to do everything. But, you know, I feel like we have just been always riding that uh, what we wanted to express to people and what it is in its roots and what can connect with everybody, whether you're, um, you know, into Nordic cuisine or anything in that realm is that really bringing it back to what Fimble was about was really bringing it back to telling a story, talking to each other, making eye contact, drinking together and eating together. And it's something that, even in the restaurant industry, you so easily lose sight of in a busy restaurant or, or whether it's diners just, you know, kind of looking at their phones and, and, uh, you know, plowing through food. And for us, it was bringing it back to that, that ancient culture that really 
does still exist in Iceland around the dinner table of, you know, sharing stories, telling, you know, tales, um, drinking together and, and celebrating the minimal things that you have in like, they're the most beautiful thing in the world, basically. Um, and, and I feel like what we really refined through our, you know, structure and getting better and better at things, um, through the years, it was, uh, was that was connecting with people and and telling stories and and sharing histories and and then also trying to bring that out in the food and drinks you know as a as a whole experience it's a it's something that i that is in that is part of portland culture i mean it's bordering on portlandia yeah right you have to admit that it's what you're what you're doing but on the other hand it's that it's what has always made portland we hope we it stays because things are changing Mm -hmm. but has always made portland a little different than yeah. a lot of other places. I mean, it's definitely different than Seattle. That connection that you have, as you talked about, eye contact with your patrons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we have that here, and I hope it stays. Yeah. This has been an interesting journey I, um, to talk to you about what you're doing and your vision. And um, this is a Portland podcast, but as you told me before we came in here, the studio, mm-hmm. you want to maintain a uh, relationship with Portland, even though you're going to be in Iceland. Yeah. So it's important to you to have that that connection. Yeah. And we're going to be, you know, riding two saddles uh, as well. So, I mean, we are going to be over in Iceland uh, through the first couple weeks of December um, every year. But uh, we want to kind of create that sister city in Portland for people coming over and and creating experiences and, and showing them, you know, Iceland and not only our, our restaurant and where we're at, which is great uh, to show people because it's kind of Iceland and it's in a little in a little tiny place, um, but it's a beautiful country and, and it's it's a great place to know somebody in, so you can kind of see see the inside workings and, and the little farms. But not only that, we're going to be coming back in the winter time, and uh, we're actually going to be you know doing Fimble as a pop up um, again here um, in December until we leave in the spring. Um, and we're going to be doing it out of the Broder Cafe space. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so we'll be doing so a little more casual Clinton. thing. Clinton. Clinton, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Clinton Street Broder. So, yeah, we love Peter. And like I said, I've, I've worked for him and kind of always just kind of stayed connected with him. And uh, so it was it made sense for us to kind of talk with him and see if he was uh, interested in that and he was really excited about it. So, yeah, we'll be doing a little evening time uh it's the perfect way to promote what you want to do yeah too. so in portland to get people over there so if people are because i've seen a lot of flights through reykjavik mm-hmm. right and am i pronouncing it properly because it was yeah. all new to me until yeah you nailed it yeah um so and so a lot of flights to europe to connect there what would people other than i want to talk about um speaking out of school a little bit about something we're just talking about mm-hmm. that isn't confirmed at all mm-hmm. but we're talking about a portland food adventures trip to Iceland, yeah. That's no. That is no pressure on you to finish making this happen. But it's a great idea. Yeah, we. I'm. I'm really excited about that. It's a. It's obviously like a concept that we have dreamed about is taking people over there that we were friends with or regulars to to kind of just show them because now that we have friends over there and, and the connections and know the country so well, we just have come back and done the Fimble dinners. But it's been a dream to be able to be like, okay, like let's take them to this farm 
that is in this insane, like fantastically beautiful place and cook people dinner, like with this landscape in front of them. And so it was, uh, it was, you know, another one of those weird uh, meta connections of Aaron kind of, you know, and us meeting each other through, through email kind of through Aaron Mm -hmm. was, that was one aspect I was excited to talk about is the possibility of, of bringing groups over there from Portland to give them the whole experience of the Island and, and beyond that. So I think it's perfect. I'm looking forward to just based on what you threw out as ideas, going to the city and out to the country, um, putting that together. We're talking about summer of 2021, not done. But what I was going to ask you is if people are planning a trip to Europe and mm-hmm. they want to connect through Reykjavik, mm-hmm. and this is what I do in Amsterdam a lot, but you can do it in Reykjavik, and they want to go visit you, how many days do they need to uh, an additional layover there, and how would they get out to Nona? Yeah, I think that uh, five days is a, is a good amount to, to plan a stopover. Um, there's an easy 45-minute flight from the capital city up there, and so you could cut down to uh, you know three or four days if, if you really wanted to, but there's so much activity and, and really cool stuff to do up on the north side of the island that I think you want an extra day to, to run around and drive around because that's, that's part of the beauty of the country is getting in a car and, and, and driving around and seeing, seeing the countryside. So And it's about a four-hour drive from the city it's a four hour to drive, where you're yeah. going to be. Yeah, so there's a nice, easy paved road you can take all the way up there. And we're 10 minutes off of that road. So it's, it, it is out in the farmland, but you're still 10 minutes from the main paved road. And, and so it's, uh, yeah, I, I, we're going to be open up in, up in June and, uh, we'll have both restaurants open along with the hotel. So there's a place to stay and, and, uh, a couple places to eat right on the property. Cool. So I would imagine people can find this at Fimble PDX. You'll do a little cross pollination with Fimble IS and yep. Fimble PDX, and um, so they can find out where the restaurant is and how to get there, and mm-hmm. where how to stay. I'm sure the hotel will be there. Yep, as well. And then uh, hopefully you'll find we'll they'll find a trip with you in the summer there as well, and also at PortlandFoodAdventures.com. Yep, absolutely. So, um, I'm tickled. We just met. Really? Yeah. We did a little, we had a conversation last week, short conversation, and we just, of all places to talk about this, Starbucks. Yeah. Um, Plus we ended up wearing the same outfit, flannel and black shirt. Similar. What do we got going on? I think we got different shoes at least, but we both have the rolled up blue jeans too, which is new in my thing. I'm trying it out. But yeah, we have flannel with the faux... Whatever buttons these are. Yeah, full. This is pretty crazy. This is new to me. So I didn't plan to have the same thing. All right. So, between um, what is it going to take for you in the next month? What do you got in front of you in terms of planning? Are you, can you properly man the kitchen at Lamoule mm-hmm. while you're planning your life changing going to Iceland? Yeah, I mean, you're not supposed to ask that question, but. <laughs> well, yeah, when you, if you answer yes, it turns out to be a good answer. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that I'm, I'm very lucky to have some really supportive, talented people like behind me in both, both areas. And luckily, my wife is far more organized and executes things at a more efficient level than I do. And so she's handling the bulk of, of uh, the move and even the 
renovation planning for the restaurant, et cetera, et cetera. So are you taking furniture over there or are you starting from scratch? We're starting from scratch and we, we have a little apartment on the property there. So, Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And will your daughter speak, uh, what's, a, what's Icelandic oh, Icelandic? Yeah. They have their own language that is very difficult to learn. So I probably, she will start speaking the language at some point and I will be lagging behind for sure. So, and do you speak any? I and speak. Do you, do they, have, they must have it on Google translate. They do, but it's not very accurate. Um, so yeah, it's pretty difficult. I speak my my wife Aurora speaks a lot more than I do, but I can get by in a grocery store kind of reading things, but speaking it's speaking it's pretty rough. How's that going to be with the restaurant though? You have to talk to patrons and majority of them are probably not going to speak. Do a lot of people speak English over there? Yeah, a lot of people speak English over there. They're good at they're really good at transactional English, you know, talking talking to people like, you know, getting into more in-depth conversations can be difficult, but but yeah. that's your shtick. No, I shouldn't call it shtick. Yeah, in a but sense. But that's, your, that's your, what you want to do is connect and talk to people. Exactly. And so that's going to that's gonna be very interesting. You're going to have to, it's going to be intensive to get to the point where you're able to do that. Yeah. We really have to go over there with a, with a humble, humble mindset of, hey, we're like, we're here to learn. And like, we are, we are uh, foreigners, but we like, this is where our love and passion is and, you know teach us and and they've been really really hospitable to that so i would imagine on the menu you can do a little narrative Mm -hmm. about you know what your mission is Mm -hmm. and and be humble about hey we don't we're learning and we hope to be able to connect you with you in a an intense way whether it's now or more in three or four years as we we grow with you grow with you yeah i'm a copywriter yeah i love to do this (laughs) stuff yeah for sure (laughs) Um, well, th- thank you so much for coming over here. We were talking, we've been talking about this for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it, it finally happened. Yeah, um, I am too. I'm, um, I think it's great that you've had some time over at La Moule, but I got to tell you, I'm really impressed with the, your resume and not that it matters how impressed I am, but it is impressive. Thank you. The restaurants that you have worked at in a short period of time, there are a lot of people who have a hard time getting into so i think it's your passion and that everybody has obviously recognized and i think it's really cool that it didn't matter what your answer was right now when i said are you going to be able to focus at lamul because aaron's behind you 100 percent. yeah so he knows what's going on you're not hiding you know yeah doing what you're doing yeah and i think that's absolutely part of it is i've been lucky to have this concentration of great people along my pathway and that includes Lemuel, you know, um, Aaron, before I even took the job was, um, letting me know that he was going to send, um, the old, uh, chef de cuisine from St. Jack, Ben Morris over mm-hmm. to Lemuel to kind of, you know, be there and kind of help if I had random questions and, uh, and, uh, just kind of a support. And so he's been a good friend and good supporter and, so there's all these little people along the way that have been such big and great influences. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. It's a nice morning. I didn't feel well this morning, but I'm I. You've uh, infused a little energy into my day, <laughs> and I hope into everyone else's day who's listening. Well, thank you very much. I'm I'm excited for the future too. Cool. We are too. Looking forward to watching that journey and experiencing it. Oh, I have one last question. Shoot. I hate to end it and then start. Has Gary 
Okazaki been to Iceland as his only experience at Fimble, and does he plan on going? He's not going to go on our trip. That much isn't going to happen. <laughs> well, I feel like I have a lot to fill in there. One, he does not like Icelandic air, so he's going to have to fly Delta. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't like the the snacks or treatment on Icelandic air. <laughs> I don't think he's stopped over uh, to eat or do anything in Iceland. So he's I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get him over there and. Uh, and I, I, th- I think he'll like it there. The, f- the food scene is, is growing there, and it's a great, great microbrew and, and uh, distilleries there. So I want to get him over there. Cool. I haven't seen him in a little while, so maybe <laughs> the next time I'll see him is over there. Who knows? <laughs> um, thank you very much, Matt, for coming on. Thanks, Chris. It. So there, Chris, was part one of this interview with Matt. That actually took place. I did the research uh, while while you were chatting with Matt. Uh, March 2nd is when you had that initial conversation with Matt. Um, so part two happened just days ago. What did you say? June 8th? June, June 8th. If today's the 10th, it was two nights ago. Yes. Yeah. So uh, today's June 11th, actually. For- oh, well, anyway, it was two or three nights ago. And the other thing that I might add is that we've been, we tried an interview via Zoom with them and it just didn't work out. So what you hear is, again, the way I was recording these podcasts for a few weeks, yeah. which is uh, one Samsung phone on speakerphone and the other Samsung phone. I have two. I have a backup recording the conversation. So I believe Matt and Aurora were on speakerphone or on separate phones on their side. So we, mm. this is a four phone production nice. you're about to hear. And it's watched. Yeah, and four doesn't make it any better, but at least you're gonna hear what they have to say. All right, so here we go, part two. All right, hello, Matt and Aurora. How are you doing this evening? Hi. We're doing pretty well. How are you? All right. We have the little one to sleep. Is that the idea? I think a sleeper movie, one of the two. Oh, a movie. Definitely not a sleep. Not our kid. Oh, okay. (laughs) What time does she get to sleep usually? Oh, I don't even want to tell you. Before 1 o'clock in the morning. Closer to midnight. All right. Well, what time is that? What is that Iceland time? She's just ahead of the curve. Yeah, what, what, yeah. Is, what is it, Iceland? Iceland, it'll be fun, yeah. <clears throat> 6 a.m., I think. <laughs> so listen, we did an interview with Matt right before the COVID-19 hit our lives. So we just thought it'd be a good idea to update that a little bit with what's happened since. So we're now, what, June 9th? Is that what today is? June 9th. Um, and updating from late February when we originally spoke. So uh, I just wanted to touch base with you and talk a little bit about your planning, your move to Iceland and what has uh, what that's been like. And then let's talk about this trip that has been a positive that we've been planning while we've been isolated here, um, that we've been planning for next year in June to take uh, – so a lot of fortunate uh, Portlanders to Iceland to have see and eat it through your your palates and your eyes. Yeah, for sure. It's been it's been an adventure to try to figure out you know traveling and especially moving for the past few months. It's a lot of ups yeah, and downs. 
ups and downs and kind of audibles that we have to make every couple days, but kind of like take all the normal paperwork you would need to move to a different company and multiply it times 10 because it's all the new restrictions. But it has been nice to kind of educate ourselves on, you know, the kind of the efficiency and safety and um, the state that Iceland's kind of currently in with the virus, which they've pretty much all but eliminated the virus. So, So, yeah, we're, we're now, you know, we're, we're kind of like light at the end of the tunnel after kind of a rough three months of trying to figure out, you know, um, how this is going to happen. And so now we're, we're closer to being able to actually get over there and get boots on the ground and start building, um, you know, the, the restaurant, the spot that we intended to build. And it's going to look a little different to start out initially, but um, I think we're, we're excited to get things moving and get things going. And they're, um, like, they're opening up to tourists pretty soon here. They're going to kind of start out slow. They're going to be testing people. And then um, they've already got, I think, a lot of... Uh, a lot of tourists kind of lined up for the late summer and fall and winter. So I think we're excited to get over there and, and start getting things moving again. What are the, what are the airlines track. telling you about airline travel right now? I think that's something that can apply to a lot of people who want to get on a plane and go somewhere. What are they telling you about June travel uh, right, on, right when things are starting to spike in Oregon again? Yeah, I would definitely um, say calling the airline is always the way to go because the websites are not accurate and, you know, there are certain airlines cutting and certain airlines adding flights. I think Iceland Air has 11 flights now that they're going to be flying in and out from different cities around the world, but they're they're still only keeping one um, state support open. So there's, it's you really, it's hard to track down the accurate information on what flights are going to reliable and, and that sort of thing and that that can change within 24 hours and that's kind of been our yeah. our journey of planning for a month and then a day before your flight is either moved or canceled so well the yeah. good thing Which, is you that, know, hopefully the, i was going to say the good thing is that once you get there you're there and you're going to be living there so this is not yeah. you're not going on a vacation that you're missing days or that you have right. to if you you know for employment purposes can't replan so um, at least you know once you right. go, you and we're go. Gonna be, and we're going to be getting there, and then, you know, we're going to be setting, like, kind of building roots there and, and um, building relationships because there is going to be, I think, more domestic tourism than usual, at least this summer. So I think we're going to have, like, an ability to kind of take things a little bit slower than initially we had planned to and really you know, build some connections in the community that I think will end up being a real, like, benefit and, um, you know, for for next year, especially. Right. Um, so I'm excited about that aspect of it. Well, good. So let's talk about yeah. this trip that, that you guys have had thoughts about for quite a while, and then I got involved, or Portland Food Adventures got involved with you uh, a few months ago, and we've been spending the last few months kind of honing an itinerary. But the interesting thing about that 
is that you're moving there now, and this trip will be a little more from a year from when we're recording this. It's going to start on June 20th, 2021. So what we have published as the itinerary is great. It's based on your knowledge and your trips there over the past few years. But I would bet, and we're pretty much in accord, that you'll have a year to, you know, on a, on a one-week itinerary, hone it and find some new places to visit and some people that you meet that you want to introduce people to, correct? For sure. Yeah, for sure. Iceland's kind of the land of hidden treasures. There's, there's no, there are like a few obvious, like kind of must-stops that you see on postcards and on all the websites, but the great thing about that country is kind of the easy, um, accessible adventure that is everywhere there. And it's really all about kind of getting to know people. And I think the first time that we um, kind of started to really get to know our business partners, they just had us get in a car and drove us to this secret little forest that walked us through that nobody really knows about. And then just giant waterfalls that, you know, tourists never go to. And it's just kind of a local hideout. And there's, there's just a, that's just one example of a number of things, you know, not, not even including restaurants and little farms you can go visit and, and the art that is everywhere around the island. Well, that, it's yeah, there are a lot of things you miss if you're just hitting the, you know, hitting the major, like, golden circle kind of items. You, you miss out on some of those, like, just really special pieces of culture and, and interesting aspects of it. Well, the nice thing is that you'll have some local connections that, generally speaking, anybody looking at a website or reading photos or anything to plan a trip to Iceland, they're not going, they may be able to find one or two of those things over a week-long period, but they're not going to find a lot of them, and they're probably not going to be able to know the people the way you know them and introduce us to. So while we've been doing trips to Barcelona with uh, and meeting Jose Chessa's circle of friends that he went to culinary school with, the fact of the matter is that you are actually going to be living there and part of the community when we get there. So I think that's, that's going to be a lot of fun to uh, experience um, your region through your eyes. So we, we, we plan on starting in Reykjavik and working our way over to the Lamb Inn where you're going to be. So can you in a few minutes just highlight some of the stops that we're going to make between in Reykjavik and then on our way and what we'll do at your restaurant? Maybe I'll start with Reykjavik, and you can kind of jump on the peninsula on the north side of it. Sure. Uh, we basically, the first stop, I think, you know, the first meetup, will, major meetup will be at Dill Restaurant, which is where I studied a few years back, um, and it's their uh, only Michelin star restaurant on the island, and it is... Um, a really unique place and a place that just really kind of in, uh, shows kind of the character of Icelandic food really well, kind of in a modern uh, new Nordic style. Um, and they just reopened this year and are getting back on their feet and won a Michelin star again. So that's kind of an exciting one because we've got some friends 
uh, involved with that whole project. And the chef is actually from the same neighborhood that we're going to be moving to up in North Iceland is where he was born and raised. Um, and Reykjavik is a great city to just walk around in because everything is within a five to 10 minute walk. And the party scene there is crazy. But the best thing about the town is the hot dog stands, which is the... <laughs> That's debatable, but it's good. <laughs> which is the national food of Iceland, is their hot dog. So. Well, I can see people spending $5,000 to go have hot dogs. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think over the, past, over the past three years, I've probably spent $5,000 to go have hot dogs. Exactly. <laughs> uh, when push comes to shove, and 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 I, and I sort of that's sort of a pun. Push comes to shove when it comes to hot dogs. But if you're having an excellent hot dog, it does it doesn't have to be a Michelin star experience to really enjoy food. It can be something as simple as that and done better than you've ever had it before. So I can certainly appreciate yeah, that. Food, you know, you you always want to kind of check out. What are what are local people like standing in line for? You know, and this is that thing there for sure. You know, right? Well, I I know that we had amazing local beer and hot dogs. We had spoken earlier, and I went to um, a place in Copenhagen that had the best hot dog I think I've ever had. And you're you have told me that this one is going to put that to shame. So I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) I think so. I think it's a little more simple and less ingredients than the Copenhagen hot dog, but I think that the ingredients are just better. Right. So I think. I mean, that's that's Icelandic cuisine. A, a lot of things are, you know, the actual like meat and dairy is, you know, just so high quality that you immediately notice a difference. It's just it's yeah. not the same thing as a hot dog from you know it's not the same thing as a hot dog in the states. It's just not. Right. Um, but it's not just hot dogs in Reykjavik. Obviously, there's, you know, a lot of... It's a beautiful like, city. something this beautiful, you know, it's like, it's quaint, but it's also kind of edgy. Um, they There's a lot of, like, music and art there. There's great shopping there. There's sort of something for everyone. There's, you know, like, fun little coffee shops and, and record stores, like, for people that are kind of into different things. Like, it's... Easily, you can spend, you know, a day there, and we will, you know, spend a couple days there, um, and and never get bored. You know, it's it's a great great city to yeah, it's a small city, but it's in. densely packed with just a lot of culture and and really really yeah. cool stuff. So, but yeah, and then we take off towards the peninsula, which is kind of what when we first went there, people recommended to us the local that that like if you're gonna see one place on the island if you've got you know some time and and you want to see one place you have to drive around the peninsula and one of the reasons is because the landscape you see like every kind of characteristic of the landscape of iceland which is just like volcanoes waterfalls yeah there's a you know mountain with a glacier there's a um national park at the edge of the peninsula um you get kind of seascape. They've got um, some beaches. The black, uh, the black church that you see in so many of those um, 
you know, iconic pictures of Iceland is on the peninsula. And then around the other side where, you know, a lot of people go up and they see the black church, but few people make it up around to um, the other, the northern side of the peninsula where you can even look across on a clear day and you can see the West Fjords. It's a really just beautiful part of the country. And there's this um, quaint, very small town called Stikasholmur, um, where we will be spending a night. Um, but it's something, it's a town that the Icelanders are very proud of. They always kind of talk about, like, oh, you're going to Stikasholmur. Like, <laughs> they have such beautiful houses there. You know, it's this, uh, just a, a quaint little town um, with some cool stuff as well. Uh, so that'll be a fun thing, I think, to, to explore and to, to show people and, um, and see just the landscape. But then there are also um, a few potential like farms. We have kind of maybe some connections there that we might tap into. So Yeah, I always get the feeling driving onto the peninsula from the main island. I always get the feeling that like kind of chills up your spine, like you're entering kind of a magic realm because you know, just 30 to 40 minutes driving onto the peninsula, you feel like you're in a alien world and in just a kind of a fantasy world like you would see uh, in movies that would be CGI, but you're driving around and seeing all, all these things. And and what's great about that culturally as well is, like, it, it, it is isolated, so there is a unique culture there, um, and uh, the people are, are so nice, and, and we happen to have a know some restaurant and inn owners up there that have that have a really cool restaurant and a, and a beautiful place so I'm excited to, to show people that side of Iceland because it's kind of you see the city and then immediately you know the next transition is out to what most of Iceland is which is um, just a beautiful kind of countryside and, and landscape yeah and then moving from that um Leaving the peninsula and Stikasholmer, we're going to go up north um, and travel up to where we will be moving, which is um, up at Lemmon. That's right outside of the second largest city in the country called Akureyri, um, which is also, it's like a, nowhere near the size of Reykjavik, um, but it's a very cute town. Um, you know, it kind of has everything you would need there. It's a little smaller um, it's right on the largest fjord in the country. And there you see more kind of like green, lush farmland um, and then striking blue ocean. So, you know, that is yet another kind of landscape transition. Um, and we have some fun things that, you know, we're kind of um, hoping to, to look into up there. And, and um, there are some locations up there that are remote and and uh, and doing things that are interesting there's you know some places that we uh, have talked about going and so we'll hopefully stop at some of those and um, and then be able to introduce people to kind of our, our new home up there as we you know start to show people this destination and this like culinary um, thing that we're creating um, that we've been working on so hard for, 
for, you know. And so the, be- the best now. you can do right now is a culinary thing that you've created? I'm just, I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, like, lost. <laughs> no. So Maybe you, Matt can jump in there. Let me just jump in. It's more yeah. than that. It's two different... It's two. It's a, a restaurant and a like a, a pub or a bistro, both, and that's the goal yeah. at some point. So, um, and you're basing it on your what you've learned and what you've done. Uh, your Fimble pop-ups in Portland, which you, by the way, will continue over winters to come back here and enjoy those. But you've you've served a lot of people yeah. in Portland, and so you've got some experience to. Go and now adapt it to actually what you can source locally. So I think it's really exciting. So it's it's yeah. way more than a culinary thing. It's um, yeah, it's it's hard to describe because we're we're going to be doing you know initially when we get over there this summer we're just going to start with the Aquavit bar. You know it's it's going to be um, kind of a more casual fare. Um, focus on some of the like. Um, like forged ingredient infusions, um, infusion aquavits that I've been making for Fimble and that we've been serving there. We're going to um, really expand on that. And then yeah. next summer we'll be um, introducing the tasting menu. So we'll have that aspect as well. And Matt's going to be working with um, this prolific culinary writer, um, Nana Rongbald's daughter, um, on of this project and, and she's just a absolute wellspring of information when it comes to like food history in Iceland um, yeah so they're going to be working closely together with that so there's like this historical aspect of things you know it's still going to be a working farm there's yeah, a lot so the location, going on there the location up there is an active sheep farm it has been for since forever um, and our business partner is um, the family member and kind of patriarch that has taken over the farm, and he's kind of gotten a little too old to do the farm and the hotel and kind of the restaurant aspect. So that's how, after kind of making friends with them, how we kind of made that connection. Um, and he wanted to retire from that and doesn't immediately have anyone to really like carry the torch as it were but but he does now he does now yeah which is kind of the story in iceland you know a lot of these like farming communities are are struggling to kind of find the next generation to pass things down to and it's kind of the same story with the with the hotel that they've been running um but we plan to turn you know obviously the hotel is a uh is on the property and we're going to um, manage that and but our our goal is to make the focus be on our food food and beverage program like Aurora mentions our kind of farmhouse aquavit and then we're going to have our farmhouse cafe which that will be symbol where we're going to be serving kind of fun takes on traditional food and, and then uh, we'll have our uh, tasting menu that we're going to name Nana after uh, the author that Aurora was talking about She's like the the food historian over there, so she's a she's a living legend. So it's been just kind of a pleasure to learn from her. She's kind of my my only culinary mentor. Is kind of how I like to to think of her. My kind of like main food mentor that I study constantly. 
Well, she must be honored that uh, you're naming that you're naming the uh, the experience after her. That's pretty cool. So I'm hoping yeah, she's going to cool. be. She, yeah. Are you arranging? It's a year out, but is she going to be there so we can meet her when we all come? Yeah, she is such yeah. a that she's willing to like participate in events, that sort of thing. And she's she's also really passionate about just educating people on the history and of the food and and drink culture there. So she loves interacting with people. She speaks at Oxford every three years to do. <laughs> Features on, you know, different subjects of yeah, culture. Well, yeah, I was going to great, great um, around. Uh, I was going to say that the farm where you are, the terrain, uh, which right now, and we could change the cover photo, but it is the cover photo for the trip that you'd see under the trips tab at portlandfoodadventures.com, and I have thought that uh, when I look at it, it reminds me of Joseph, Oregon. But then I need to be reminded that we're also, you're, you've also got the beautiful fjord, so you've, you can add to that all the beautiful um, nautical scenery around it as well. So, uh, Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, just being there, and it's, you know, it's so remote and so quiet, and... You know, the scale of things is, like, the mountains, and then you look and see just this, like, really epic, absolutely blue, you know, cold water ocean. Um, and in the summertime, all the flowers are blooming, and it's just green and lush and, and gorgeous and and, um, and quiet. And it's, it's one of the most peaceful places I've ever been in my life, anywhere. Like, it's just... Um, it is absolutely kind of off the map, and you just you feel like you kind of can get out and breathe, you know. Well, the proof in the pudding is that you decided to move there. So um, yeah, um, and we're excited uh, to go. It would be June twentieth to twenty eighth, two thousand twenty one. And it's up on our website now. By the time people hear this podcast, it'll surely be up. And um, we look forward to having a fun group uh, go with us. And we understand, or I understand that there are a lot of people who have been coming to your Fimble pop-ups that um, have voiced interest in going, too. So um, we'll hope that we can get a nice full house in a short period of time and take a wonderful trip next June. And be seeing you as you greet us, I guess, at the hotel, although it would be kind of fun if you were at the uh, the airport, but everybody's going to come in separately, so um, that'll be fun. So I'm looking forward to your next year, and I'm hoping that, and I'm putting on the spot here, but that over the next year you can send us a few paragraphs of some of the things that you learned that excite you, and we'll put those uh, you'll probably put those on your website, but also we can add that to the trips page at portlandfoodadventures.com so people can follow you and keep up with it and get even more excited about going on this uh, trip and more excited for you for starting your new lives over there. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It's going to be a fun, fun journey to document and yeah. take everybody along with. Well, yeah, we're also... Um, we do have an Instagram 
um, that we'll be posting to. We'll be posting to our Instagram here as well. And so we'll post things about um, the trip, I'm sure, um, as we get moving on it. But our our Instagram for the um, cafe up there is at thimble.thimblecafe.is. That is. Symbol underscore cafe dot is. Yeah. Beautiful. And are you going to still post under Fimble PDX as well? Yeah, we we will still. So we'll be we'll be putting updates on there and definitely to you know adding pictures and thoughts to the website um, where people can go and kind of see how the tour is developing. Um, yeah, as we as we kind of get there and, and start to like put roots down and, and, you know, find new inspiring things that we want to share. Good. Well, we got, we can't get too specific either. We want to tease, tease it a little bit. So people have reason to (laughs) want to go and experience it in person and uh, not only in pictures. Cause uh, I'm I'm sure that pictures can't do it justice and people are going to have to come to enjoy it fully. So that's the suggestion. Yeah. Anything else that we're leaving out? Because I appreciate you taking the time, and I don't want to take much more, but I so appreciate the opportunity to be working with you on this and learn about Iceland through such curious, wonderful people's um, uh, sensibilities. It's really cool. Yeah, I don't think we missed anything. I just, you know, we're really excited, too. Like, I think it's such a unique opportunity to, to see a part of a a really, really unique, beautiful country, um, you know, in a way that I don't think, you know, other tour groups kind of have access to. So we really hope to create something special and, and create memories and friends. That is the plan. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I cannot wait to get to you over there. I'm going to see if we if I can get over there ahead of this just to experience it and meet you. But right now we don't know about travel uh, at the moment, but you know, between now and next June, we have an entire year. So I hope you have the most exciting yeah. year ever. This has been a really strange uh, prelude to that year. Um, so yeah. I hope there's some light at the end of the tunnel for you over there, and uh, and everything goes yeah. as smoothly as possible. When you're building a new restaurant, there are going to be a, f- a few glitches, but maybe this. Um, Getting ready in the United States beforehand has uh, prepped you properly for challenges when you get over there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're, we're on our toes, ready to <laughs> right. do what we need to do to, to uh, kind of create, create what we've been working towards. Great. Do you know how to say bon voyage in Icelandic? We'll have to oh, look it up. That was good. That was a good. That was a really good pause. Oh, you have it? What is it? Golafer. Golafer. Okay. Golafer to you and we... Okay. Well, I don't know if I said it correctly, but I'll allow your your rendition. (laughs) If you can say it fast, that's... (laughs) Yeah, you say anything fast over there and add a bunch of K's and Y's and you're there. So, uh, (laughs) all right. Thank you two so much and I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. uh, and I hope you're over there sooner rather than later, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. 
Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Thank you.